Let me pray. I'm actually going to speak first because I'm speaking on <clears throat> shifting spiritual atmospheres. Um, and one of the main ways you shift a spiritual atmosphere is worship. So rather than worship and then talk about it and then I thought I'd do it. We do it the other way around. Plus that gives Johnny another half an hour to work out what songs we might be singing. So, or so. Right. Lord, open our hearts. Open our hearts to your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. Reach to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just taking a moment, because one of the things we need to do before we think about shifting atmospheres is get ourselves in the right position, get ourselves in the right place. We can be cross about something, we can know something's not right, justifiably, but if our hearts are not aligned, then so much hot air, so much striving. Lord, just touch us. Speak to our hearts, show us where we're not in the right place, where we're, we want to see things change out of our own selfish desires, out of our own ambition, where we want to see things change, Lord, out of our own sense of injustice, out of our own stuff, Lord. Lord, forgive us. We come with repentant hearts, Lord. Not in that, oh, woe is me way, but a repentant heart that says, Lord, I want to be clean. I want to walk your ways and I want to be led by you. Jesus, thank you. Lord, we take those steps now. We walk in those directions. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You are allowed in. It's fine. Guys, there'll be lots of seats with white paper on it. You're allowed to move the yellow, because um, we'd forgotten to move them. You're allowed to move the yellow things and sit in a seat. What's the word I'm looking for? Tape. Bodes well. I'm about to preach, isn't it? can't remember the word tape. Never mind. Right. So, have you ever been in a situation where you just, you've been fine before you arrive, and then you get somewhere and you suddenly think, oh, I feel spelled with at least two, you know? And, or you get somewhere and you think, I didn't have a headache before I arrived here. And you feel a bit swimmy and a bit confused. Or you go somewhere, and I've, I see this happen a lot in church, because when religious spirits, so demonic spirits, religious spirits, tend to hang around churches and around Christians. <laughs> Odd that, really, because we get religious, because we like things the way we like things. Whether it's we get cross because Johnny's playing the song too slowly, or we get cross because we're using the wrong tune for that hymn, or the wrong Bible version, or whatever it is. 
I've watched people fall asleep. Not just because the sermon's boring before anybody says anything. But I've literally, I've, I've been standing at the front and I've watched a, it starts and it goes across. And, and then I take authority over the religious spirit and the people wake up again. Because it's a religious spirit which brings, which is very soporific and sends people to sleep. If you've ever been to a family event where you're determined it's going to be different this time, but those things still kick off anyway. Yeah? Because they're the, that's the way we do family badly. He says, try and not look at anybody's family. A large mirror would do. You know, um, and, and it, so what these things are, are the prevailing spiritual atmosphere. And it does affect the way we operate. It even affected Jesus. Do you remember he, in Mark's gospel, he, he heals a man, but he has to take him outside the village to do so. Because the prevailing atmosphere in the village is one of unbelief and scepticism. And therefore to bring this, and he, I can't remember if he spits directly or, or, or makes mud on the floor with his spit, but it's one of those slightly weird ones. And he says to the man, what can you see? And he says, I, I, I think I can see people but they look like trees walking so and then Jesus has to go again Jesus has to go again for the healing to come and then at the end of it he says and go home but do not go through the village don't go back under that atmosphere again Jesus says in you know he, it's him that says a prophet is not welcome in, the, in their own town you know he never sees anything happen in Nazareth because, what's Jesus? Who's, he just, that's the carpenter's lad. What's, who does he think he is? And that dismissiveness of, of, of Jesus himself. But uh, this is the prevailing atmosphere that can be around us. And then sometimes, as Christians, we walk into some church, churches and we, or we walk into a conference and we feel lifted. Nobody said anything. There's no music going on. Nothing's happening. But, oh, the atmosphere's really positive here. First time the guys from Fulham came down to the church in um, Dorset, apparently they, they, they spent most of their time trying to stay awake. Because, you know, we didn't know about changing the atmospheres. We didn't know about spiritual warfare then. So nobody had done any spiritual warfare in the building for 800 years. Probably. The church dated from 1256. Uh, you know, so, you know, I remember Stuart walking in with Ali, who was their worship leader at the time, and basically they both went, Boom! they said it was like walking into a brick wall. And we thought we were doing quite well, thank you very much, because <laughs> we'd seen people healed and we'd seen people come to faith and we were growing as a church. But the spiritual atmosphere was still very heavy, partly because of what had gone on on in the place and actually you once we started digging into the history what had happened in the place was really quite foul some of it so spiritual atmospheres affect us and they can affect us really badly and the world carries a spiritual atmosphere Do you remember everything is spiritual there is no neutral ground if you've read pete's book or C.S. Lewis's quote, or 
Oh no, it's a verse from scripture, isn't it? I remember. There is no neutral ground. You know, everything, C.S. Lewis says, everything is being fought over all the time. The, the demonic makes, the devil makes a claim on time, space, people, situations, and God's making a counterclaim. And of course, that's not a fair fight because God is considerably bigger than the devil. No dualism in this place. You know, but the demonic, where the demonic has foothold, where the demonic has a place to be, then the demonic sets the temperature. So some cities, some areas of cities, you walk into them, and you, you walk into Manenberg, where Pete and Sarah are, and you can feel the depression. You can feel the hopelessness and the despair. Pete and I were walking the first time through Manenberg. Don't, don't panic, I am going to get to scripture in a minute, I promise you. I remember walking through Manenberg with Pete the first time, and 10 minutes in, I'm bawling my eyes out, and I'm crying as I'm praying, and I don't know why. But I could just feel, oh. And of course, Manenberg is the place where the District 6 clearance people have been moved to. So on the town, on the harbour side of, the, of um, Table Mountain, this District 6 was where this wonderfully mixed and eclectic community lived. And it was thriving, but the authorities decided to clear it. It's known as the District 6 clearance. And the Cape Coloured community was moved to Manenberg because District 6 was going to be the new um, C, uh, CBD, Central Business District. It was going to be developed. Every It's interesting. Every business that's tried to um, establish itself in District 6 has failed. Because it's not right. They shouldn't be there. The people should be there. And the people in Manenberg are in these flats. It's purpose-built for them. Well, you look at them now, they look like prison blocks. You know? Because actually, well, they don't look after them. They should look... Of course they don't look after them. They shouldn't be there. There's a generational thing that's come down that this is not home. This is the wrong place for us. This is what, one of the things that Pete and Sarah are fighting and trying to build community where they are and change the whole thing. But one of the most depressing places on earth. Not one of the poorest, not one of the, but just one of the one of the heaviest spiritually. And you can feel that. You can feel that when you go into certain areas of London or Bristol or Birmingham. You can feel it change. It's very interesting. And again, it doesn't have to be the, the UPAs, the urban priority areas. It doesn't have to be the difficult areas. Some of those, the spiritual atmosphere is great. Because Christians are alive in those places. Sometimes you come to places like... And, I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> places like South Bucks or East Dorset, where I was before, and you can feel the money and the self-satisfaction and the, well, we don't need help. We don't need to be blessed. We've got no problems, and the problems we have, I'm not going to tell you about, and so you feel the, yeah. And people talk about it. When we used to live in Preston in Lancashire, the, the, the Preston flag thing has PP on it, which has a cross and a lamb, and PP is um, princeps, Pax princeps, Prince of Peace. But everybody in Preston said it's, and everybody else in Lancashire says it sounds, stands for proud Preston. 
because it's on top of a hill and it's proud Preston. And people are lovely and warm and welcoming, but don't go deep with them because they don't want to know. Where down here, people are not necessarily warm and welcoming to start with, but once you get over the front door, you can go deep with them. Very interesting, the dynamic. Northerners are much more friendly. My experience in press, and yes, Northerners are much, much more friendly, but less likely to go deep in a relationship and a friendship and a, an openness. Which is why when it does happen, it's amazing. So that's even recognised in the culture. And you and I are called to bring the kingdom. We're called and we're to pray our Father in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And we're supposed to be those that bring that. We don't make it happen. God makes it happen. But we're here to enforce that spiritual reality. We're here to live as the people that we're designed to be and therefore change the atmosphere around you. Have you ever, any of you grow up in a family that's really negative about everything? Oh, just me then. That's fine. Good. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. There's a couple of families here looking at each other now rather suspiciously. Mum and dad going. <laughs> oh, in a family that don't want to own up to things. How about that one? <laughs> And you say things like, oh, it's just the way the family is. Oh, it's okay. Teenage brothers are supposed to fight. Are they? Or teenage sisters are supposed to not get on. Really? Well, I didn't get on with my... Well, I can't say this. Get on with your teenage sister when you were teenagers? No. So when your girls kick off, it's just normal. It's not, though. It's accepted as normal. It's what learned behaviour is. And it affects the atmosphere, but it's not what God wants, is it? Please, I'm not being condemning there at all. I'm just saying, you know, actually, why is it normal? Why is it okay for big brothers to put their little brothers down? Or then feel inferior to their little brothers because their little brothers are more into or whatever way round it is, you know? God wants it different. And we're here to be those agents of change. That's what we are. And the change starts in us. So how do we change an atmosphere? Am I talking about atmospheres or am I talking about changing culture? Ready? Yes. It's both. You change the atmosphere in the immediate, but the cultural change is the change change. The change that stays with us. So you can change an atmosphere. I remember being, when Stuart and the team came down to Dorset, I said to you about them getting, whoa, this wave of the religious spirit and them being, but then Ali led us in worship and the play, and you could, I could feel the atmosphere change. I thought, Flip, what was, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But suddenly there was an openness to, and a more likely this, and, and on it came. So one of the things is worship. You're feeling negative, get yourself in the place where you're in worship. You had a bad day. God, if I had a pound for people who say, well, I'm not going to come to church on Sunday because I'm in such a bad place, I'll spoil it for everybody. Come here while I slap you. Because actually, that's the point at which you need to come and be with the family and worship. Even if the worship to start with is, I love you, Lord. 
bit of gritted teeth stuff going on. But then suddenly it's like, no, actually, Lord, I do love. Oh, Lord, I thank you, you love me, Lord. And, and it does change. And you're, you're sitting there going, well, it's changing you. Yeah, well, that's changing the atmosphere. Because <laughs> you put into the atmosphere, and therefore, if it changes you, it... Yeah? And better that you're here in a bad place and being changed by a good atmosphere around you than you stay at home and just go further and further in to that negativity and that self-hatred and that whatever it is you're struggling with at that particular moment. So worship is a key thing. Repentance is a key thing. Repenting of believing the lies. The amount of fear... you. The whole thing with Sarah Everard and Andrew, thank you for praying this morning. Beautiful. I've had a number of comments. Just thank you so much for doing that. It was much appreciated by many, many people. But one of the big things that the enemy will use this for is to re-inject fear into the community. The enemy's had a field day with fear over the last 12 months with the pandemic. In fact, the fear is probably much bigger problem for the vast majority of people. Please, I'm not trying to play the pandemic down. I'm not, try, I'm not you know, saying there aren't people who've died from it and all the rest of that. But the fear that it's engendered, I mean, we're still sitting here with masks on and we can't sing. Sing your hearts out at home. But do, do you know what I mean? It's, please keep your masks on. It's the law. But the fear that's coming, and now, just as we start to come out of this, something has happened to bring fear back in again for 51% of the population. An accusation, and anger, and then fear for some of the men around it all as well. You, know? so you can see the enemy all over it. Not just the one event, and as sad and as disturbing as all of that is, but the enemy then... Um, messing about with how the police are now seen and oh it's just a hole well, it's a pile of poo isn't it but can we change the atmosphere or do we bend into it do we bend into the negative atmosphere do we come under it or do we change it how do we shift that atmosphere we're going to come to Psalm 29 in a moment that's giving everybody a heads up. They can get their Bibles out and find Psalm 29. So that when we get there, we're ready. How do we shift the atmosphere? Well, firstly, we counter lies. And that means we have to speak out truth. I've got a real problem at the moment. Because there are so many lies being told around the, the, the parish centre project. And I spoke to the bishop this afternoon and... He's, he's seen the article in the Bucks Free Press, and he said to me, he said, so, so what are the lies in there? And I went, mm, all of it. Every single word. Apart from the fact we've, you heard this this morning, we've withdrawn a section 38. We have withdrawn a section 38 to widen an opening by two feet, not to do with roads. So the article is just wrong. But how do... How do you speak out against that without looking defensive, without looking aggressive? How do you speak the truth into that? And the first thing, of course, is in the heavenlies. You, you pray and you change, the, you change things spiritually. 
I'd love it if these doors were open and those that are against us for whatever reasons were to come through that door and just go, whoa. So God is real then. And we've said nothing. They've just come in because the atmosphere, this place is full of the presence of the Lord. And they don't have to go round us to get healing. They can come through the village and get healing. We had to do that with a friend of ours once. Where she lived, we took her out of the village and she got healed. Because, and bless her, it didn't stick, partly because the the spouse wasn't a Christian, kids weren't Christians, her wider family weren't Christians. And the negativity and the negativity and the negativity and the, neg- and, the, and, the, and the mocking and the jeering and the, what do you mean you've been healed? Don't be so ridiculous. That doesn't happen. Oh, that's crazy stuff. That's just that lunatic fringe down the road. Not the first time I've been called a lunatic. There you go. Um, so, and of course it wears you down. So we have to speak out truth. We have to speak out truth. So, Debbie, are you useless and good for nothing? No. Am I allowed to slap somebody on camera? Probably not, no. (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, who normally tells you you're useless and good for nothing? Yeah, yourself, yes? But are you? What does God say? The opposite. What do we all say around you? Us, here. The opposite. Doesn't mean you're perfect. (laughs) Doesn't mean I'm perfect. But we, so when we hear those lies, like Wendy's been talking about, we need to take those thoughts captive and speak out the opposite. And I mean speak it out. Because if you think I'm useless, but you speak out, no, I'm called by God and I'm equipped by God and I can... You've spoken out stronger than a thought. But you've probably spoken out negative stuff about yourself quite a lot. Not, I'm sorry, Debbie, I'm not talking to you now, I'm talking to everybody. Oh, I hate myself when blah, 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 blah. Oh, I hate myself when this happens. No, you don't hate yourself. You do know you're not allowed to hate yourself, don't you? Did you know that? Does God hate you? Come and talk to me, guys. You can do, you can. No, God doesn't. What does God think about you? They've got thumbs up. You are allowed to speak. You just can't sing. He loves you. So should you agree with God or disagree with God? So do you love yourself? The answer is yes. I don't love everything about myself. I don't like everything I do. But I love myself because God loves me and I want to agree with God. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you hate yourself, what are you going to do to your neighbor? You'll end up hating them because you hate yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You hate yourself, your neighbor stands no flipping chance. If you don't get the... And by self-love, I don't mean preening love. I don't mean, you know, presumptuous love. I don't mean prideful stuff. I just mean love yourself for who God's made you to be. You know, I had to deal with the fact at 15 I was never going to play cricket for England, you know. I wanted to, 
And I wasn't that bad, but I wasn't that good either. And do you know why? It's very, very simple. God got the design wrong. No, sorry. No, God got the design right, but I was trying to apply the design in the wrong way. I was a spin bowler, and my fingers are tiny. So I can't get my fingers wrapped around the ball properly to make it spin properly. So I'm never going to be what I wanted to be, but I'm going to be what God wanted me to be. Hopefully that's what I am now. It's the plan. So we speak out truth, and I mean speak it out in agreement with God. How do we know what that truth is? Come on, guys, this is living in freedom 101, isn't it? This is the first few weeks. How do we know what that truth is? Come on, don't do the science. Talk to me. We can talk to each other. We listen, we listen to God. We listen to what he says. And what's the main thing we listen to? What's the main way God speaks? The Bible. So know your scriptures. How do we change the atmosphere? We know the scriptures. And then we, we hear prophetically for ourselves or through others or what, however it is. We know our original design and all that stuff. And what do we get you to do in a prayer appointment, those of you that have had prayer appointments? When we've dealt with a lie, what do we get you to do? Ruth will tell us in a moment, because she trains people to do this. What do we get you to do? Don't just walk in the truth. What do we get you to do first in the prayer appointment? Speak out the truth. We dealt with a lie. I'm insignificant. I'm useless. I'm fearful. I'm controlling, whatever it is. I'm not designed to be like that. I repent. I realign to the truth. I rebuke the enemy. And now I choose to walk in. And you, we get you to speak it out. Because when you know the truth, you need to speak it out to, to change the atmosphere. Is this word of faith teaching? Absolutely. You have that faith in the word, then you speak it out. Is God going to provide a new direction and a new house and a new place? Yeah, is he? Yeah, thank get, get, Poke him, will you? <laughs> Judy said yes. So you speak it out. When, how, where, who knows? Is he going to do it? Yes. Those spouses that have not come to faith yet, are they coming to faith? Because does, God wants not one to be lost. So speak it out. Granted, looking, how, when, I don't know. Always remember, when they feel like they're moving further away, that's probably when they're getting closer. Seriously. We speak it out. And once we've heard, and we have faith, and we speak it out, what do we then do? We walk in it. We live in the truth. So if you are an amazing man or woman of God and you, are, you have everything you need to live this godly and holy life and the truth is that Jesus came come to give you life and life in abundance and the promise is that we will do what Jesus did and everything, what should that give you? Confidence. And what does the word confidence mean? With faith. Confides. With faith. So believing the truth is a faith thing, and then that gives you with faithness to believe the truth, which gives you more faith to have more confidence to believe the truth. It's a virtuous circle, isn't it? We don't want to do the vicious cycles. We want to do the virtuous circles. 
But we need to listen and we need to speak it out. And this, and we're going into Psalm 29 right now, this is the difference that declaration makes. And this is how we shift atmospheres. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Hmm. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. What does that word ascribe mean? Does it mean just give um, intellectual assent to the truth that? No. The word ascribe there means proclaim, speak out, tell it out, give witness to, give testimony to the fact that. Ascribe to the Lord. Call it out, declare it, speak it. Why? Why? Because it's true. Speak it out. And then others will see. Others will see. Mighty ones. Oh, mighty ones. You read some commentaries on this. It's quite interesting. What, is, what does mighty ones mean? And they dance around it. They try and say, oh, it's angels or it's heavenly beings. But I think they've got it right on one level. Those who live in the heavenlies. Who lives in the heavenlies? We do. Don't you? Because remember, the heavenlies aren't up there. The heavenlies are all around us. The Epiuranios, as, it's, as Paul uses in Ephesians, lots. This, the, the might, so the mighty ones are those who operate in power in the heavenly realm. Who's that then? It's us. So who's to ascribe greatness to the Lord? Us. I've met many Christians over the years ago, I don't get worship. And I sort of get it on one level, but on another level I go, really? No, I'm not saying you have to do all the songs that Johnny sings. You know, but you can get worship in so many different ways, with a classical choir or with whatever, but you've got to get worship. Otherwise God hasn't really got you. I would, I'm not saying these guys weren't Christians, but... If God's captured your heart, then ascribe greatness to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. One translation even has not O mighty ones, it says sons of God. Makes it even more me think even more it means us. Because we're brothers and sisters of Christ. So we share in that sonship, that childship. Try and get the gender neutral approach. We're to speak it out. 
This is how we shift atmospheres. And what we do first is we listen to the voice of the Lord. Who can hear the voice of the Lord? Everyone. Doesn't mean everybody has the gift of prophecy. Doesn't mean everybody's a prophet. Doesn't mean everybody's a seer. But everybody is prophetic. Everyone can hear the voice of the Lord. We can all. We are the lambs. We are the sheep of his flock, aren't we? And the sheep know his voice. And we follow him. If we can't hear the voice of the Lord, how the heck are we ever going to follow him? When people say, oh, no, not everybody can hear God's voice. We don't all hear in the same way. Please don't all try and have visions of dragons and mountains and all that sort of stuff. Some people see like that. Some people see very, what appears to be mundanely, but it's not. It's very heavenly. Oh, I just sense this. Good. You hear the voice of the Lord. And then we speak out what the Lord speaks to us. And this is the power that that carries. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. If you remember, I've mentioned this many times, water in Hebrew culture from this time represents chaos, represents the the demonic, actually. Because, it's really weird, Israel has this long coast, but they're not a seafaring nation. Never have been. Because there's this, this disconnect. There's this disconnect, don't, don't, just the wind. There's this disconnect with the, with the, with the water. So, but the voice of the Lord is over the waters. It has authority. It's over the waters. The God of glory thunders. What's the main thing about thunder? It's loud. You can hear it. And actually, it's a warning, isn't it? It's a warning of what is to come. So the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Not suggesting that um, the waters aren't powerful, but the Lord thunders over the mighty, over the mighty waters. The, the word thunder could be rendered roars. What roars? Lions. The lion of Judah thunders, roars over the demonic opposition. When you heard that lion's roar recorded last week and played, you don't want to be near a lion when it roars. It's a scary thing. But if it's the lion of Judah that roars, it's a life-giving thing. It's a protecting thing. It's scaring off the enemy, not the cubs. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Every word that the Lord speaks and we speak out having heard it is filled full with the ability and the authority to change things. It's powerful. We speak out the prophetic words we've been given. We speak out our original design over ourselves. You'll get, you'll get, stand in front of the mirror, speak out your original design. You'll get over yourself in the end, because you're not talking to yourself. 
Do it. Speak it out. Speak out who we are as a church. Speak out who, who the victory belongs to. Speak it out. It's powerful. The, what the Lord has spoken to us, the voice of the Lord, is powerful as he speaks it, but is powerful as we come into alignment with it and speak it out as well. Verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. If you look at the temple and what the temple was made of, they get this, these cedars from Lebanon because these are some of the strongest materials they know of. And what does the voice of the Lord do to them? Breaks them. There's a breaking, there's an anointment, an anointment, an anointing. It's not an ointment, it's an anointing. There's an anointing on speaking forth what God has revealed to you that breaks the stronghold, that breaks the strong places. He makes Lebanon skip like, skip like a calf, Syrian like a, a young wild ox. What we don't realize about this is that um, these are the mountains. Lebanon and Syrian references to the mountains. He makes them skip. The voice of the Lord doesn't just smash down the strongholds doesn't just smash to pieces the things that we stand against, but reinvigorates what we look at in creation as being solid. Mountains are solid, aren't they? Mountains don't move. Mountains don't skip like young calves. Or like a young wild ox. So the stuff we think is solid, the stuff we think is hardwired into our thinking, the stuff that is hardwired into the culture of Cheshire Boys or South Bucks or the southeast of England or wherever it is, the Lord can reinvigorate as he speaks or as we speak what he has spoken. We can change the atmosphere. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. Is lightning a good thing or a bad thing? Well, lightning is electricity, isn't it? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Those, on, those watching online, do you think electricity is a good thing right at the moment? If you think the sermon's rubbish, then maybe not. But without it, the light and everything. But it, electricity kills as well. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's like lightning. Aslan's not a tame lion. And actually, if you look at the Hebrew there, it says, the voice of the Lord spits fire. Again, fire essential to living, but one of the most dangerous things. But essential for life, but one of the most dangerous things. The voice of the Lord spits fire. That is how powerful the word of the Lord is. Verse 8. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kaddish. The places that look dead are shaken. 
the tsunami comes over it and comes back and the sand is moved away and the crabs come up. That prophetic word we were given this time last year. Crabs are still coming up, by the way. The crabs are the cancers and the things that need clearing out of the way. They're still coming up in our lives. They're coming up in our church life. They're coming up in culture. I think we're seeing stuff that's been happening recently because stuff is being revealed. Stuff is being revealed that we need to deal with. Whether it's around Black Lives Matters, whether it's around the safety of women walking home at night, whatever it is, the crabs are being revealed. The nasties, the horribles, the things that shouldn't be part of our society are being revealed. The Lord shakes even the desert, even in the place and death and desolation, the Lord shakes. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. This isn't about oaks of righteousness. Remember in the Bible, the image can be, can be positive or negative. Oaks of righteousness, great. But oaks are these long-lived trees to the culture. These are not many oaks in the Middle East, but those that are there are long-lived. God will twist the long-lived ways of thinking that we are stuck in. You shelter under an oak, it's a good place to be. So whether it's a family thing that you're just stuck in that way of thinking because that's how the family is. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I didn't listen to my grandparents. I love my grandparents. They brought me to faith. I'm glad I listened to their. You know, they didn't bring me to faith, but their faith took me on the journey. But according to my grandfather, people like us don't own houses. People like us don't go to university. People like us don't. So the list goes on. Unfortunately, I went, yeah, right, no. And broke um, a poverty spirit. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just, I wanted to go to uni. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was all. But I, it actually broke a poverty spirit on my line. Those oaks will be twisted. And the forest, the forest, I read The Hobbit at some point, or Lord of the Rings or whatever. The forests are dangerous places. You know? They've got to get through the forest and out the other side and, you know, they can't see what's going on and then there's the spiders around and all the rest of it. What's the Lord going to do to the forests? Strip them bare. And you take the foliage off the forest, what happens in the forest? What, what? This light shines in the darkness. That which was dark is going to be released into light. And all his temple, all his people cry. Glory. Go on, come on the rest of you. All, all the temple cry. Glory. Amen. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And again, authority over the powers of this world. He, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord looks after himself and does nothing for his people. Is that right? What does he do for us? He gives us strength. He gives us strength. And he blesses his people with shalom, with peace. And of course, that word shalom doesn't just mean the absence of strife or the absence of problem. In fact, sometimes it means peace in the midst of strife and problem. But it also means wholeness. 
It also means restoration. It means fullness. It's a peace that is fulfillment. I deliberately got that word wrong. Some of the others I haven't. That one I deliberately got wrong. A fulfillment. Not a fulfillment, but a fulfillment. That's, that's the sense of peace. He gives you... And actually, come on, let's, let's, let's dip into the new, new covenant here. He gives you peace. He gives you everything you need to live this godly and holy life. If a Sunday goes past and I don't quote that, you'll know everybody's got it. But he's given you everything you need. Do you believe it? Most of the time. Even I would say that. Do I believe it all the time? No. I'm better than I used to be. But not as good as I can be. Not should be. Can be. Because it's true. I've got to walk more into it. He gives us the strength. He is the crowning comfort in a world where the threatening tides seem to make everything uncertain. It's not a bad phrase, is it? I can't remember where I nicked it from now. <laughs> it's not mine. He is the crowning comfort in a world where the threatening tides seem to make everything uncertain. So tonight, are you feeling fearful? Are you feeling confused? Are you feeling defeated? Are you feeling that the things are not right? Or I'm... Or just feeling, there's something coming, but I don't know what it is. Something needs to change, but I'm not sure where I'm going. All those things. <clears throat> so you'd have thought Johnny would have noticed I'm coming into land, wouldn't you? <laughs> I think he has now. I think we're all right. I think he's on his way. If you're feeling these things, I want to say let's change the atmosphere. I want to change the atmosphere again in here. I want to change the atmosphere over St. Leonard's. I want to change the atmosphere as we go into PCC on Monday and make a decision about whether we appeal the planning decision and all that stuff. But I want to make that change of atmosphere for you. Where you're struggling for breakthrough, where you're asking the questions where you need healing, where you need restoration, where you need change. Not one-off, not in that weird way where you go, you know, let's just pray this prayer of faith and you'll be all right. No, let's change the atmosphere. I, I don't want a one-off. I want a change of atmosphere that means everything changes. And we live in that place of faith. We live in that place of kingdom present. We live in that presence of Jesus. Is Jesus here now? Yeah. Is he here manifestly now? Hmm? Hmm? What do you reckon? He's here. I know he's here because you and I carry him. We're glory carriers. We carry the presence of God. Amen. But what, to change the atmosphere, we see the manifest presence of God. I, I, I want to see us going into Tesco and people, people turning to us and saying, what's different about you? Not us standing in Tesco's and going, come to Jesus. Jesus wants you for a sunbeam. And all that, you know, all that cringing stuff. But I want people to look at us and go, you, wow, what have you got that's different? Doesn't mean we don't do evangelism. Of course we do. But 
I want that atmosphere to change. I want each one of us here and online to go to the places we work, to go to the places we shop, and our very presence change the atmosphere. But we've got to practice changing the atmosphere by speaking it out and worshipping and doing it in the private place. So let me pray. And as we worship tonight, just (laughs) take the truth and speak it out. Worship the Lord and speak out the different atmosphere. Speak faith over the unbelief. Speak wholeness over the brokenness. Speak transformation where things are stuck. Jesus. Lord, your voice is powerful. You spit fire. You break the cedars. You twist the oaks. You strip the forest bare. And Lord, we want to speak forth your words. We want to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. We want to speak forth with power and authority. Because it has been ordained in the courts of heaven that we have authority. Not because we're better than, not because we're brilliant, but because we belong to Jesus. Lord, we want to speak change over our community. We want to be a community of blessing. We want to be a community of Jesus. We want to be a community that sees love. We want to speak that over our places where we work. We want to see that change over our businesses, over our government, over the nations, Lord. We want to see the atmosphere change, Lord. This is, oh, Satan has authority, but Jesus, this is your world. He may be prince of this world, but you are Lord of lords. But we want to see that change. Holy Spirit, come. Come and bring that change over us now. Start with me, Lord. Start in us individually. Change our thinking. Change our speaking. Change our doing. Shift the atmosphere, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done.